Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrara? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary in Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. know why I'm glad you're here? Because we're ready to start the show. We have a great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is a very funny stand-up, and her YouTube special, Self Help Me, has over one million views so far, and her name is Liz Mealy. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join our conversation. And our super fan shout-out is for Lee. Say hi to Lee, everybody. Hello, Lee. Hey, Lee, what's going on? Uh, Lee, Phil would say hello, but he's exhausted. No energy. You, you just, you drain me of any energy at all. <laughs> that is not a news flash. It's not a news flash, but it's a common occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Lee sent us an, uh, an email. He's a friend of ours. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. Uh, it says, hi, Adam, big fan, and was recently listening to your podcast with Mike Brewer. Uh, you should know that there were also four other different pilots on that Chinook helicopter that received a distinguished flying cross. So I want to thank you, Lee, for sending that in. Yeah, that's a great update. That's uh, And as well, they should have all gotten decorated from that. That sounded like it was just a hairy mission. Yeah, uh, yeah. They, they, wow. It was a call of duty. They did it. They didn't say it's not my job. Unlike one Marcus Stern when I had a problem. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm doing an interview, right? Uh, I'm meeting my friend Elon Gold, a very funny comic. Uh, he's on Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. We're doing an interview. And for some reason, the internet doesn't want to behave. So, you know, me being the podcast host I am, I spring into action and I called my producer, Mark Stern. Mm -hmm. And I go, I need you to produce. Did you try the first your first fix rule? Yes, like, my you know, and tell people what that is. My first fix rule is this: Honey, and you are at home. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so she wasn't there. Now, so I'm plan B. Yeah. Well, you're the producer. It says so in the notes. Yes, it does. Yeah. You used to yeah. be you used to be triple P, but it never caught on. Yes, honey. So did he say that's above my pay grade? No. He, he goes. This <laughs> this this is what he said as as the crack producer that Mark Stern is. This is what he says. Well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> I got, that's I how they taught me. In, that's how they taught me in the Teamsters, man. I don't I, know what to tell you. I was like, I'll push your button, make it work. I got to do an interview. You're the, you're the producer. He goes, I'm in D.C. with cats. What the hell? I'm the kind of producer who can pretend to be British, like on the Kornheiser show. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a problem with cats, I can walk you through that over the phone. But for this technical mumbo jumbo, what's this Wi-Fi you speak? I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Is that even a real term? I don't know what that means. Yeah. It's just like doing card tricks for dogs when I call him. It just <laughs> It's not my job. I was like, I'm sorry. He's no, smart. I know technically I'm the producer, but I'm not that kind of producer. Right. Like, I'm sorry, Adam. I don't know how to do it. Yeah. Okay. Therefore, he doesn't have to do it. Well, that's why I'm glad this was just some dopey podcast. And, and, and Darren Harrison didn't have that. It's not my job. I don't know what you want from me attitude because he'd be dead. What do you mean? You know who Darren Harrison is? No. Oh, he, who's that? He's the guy that landed the plane in Florida. Oh, I read oh. about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh you, you know okay. the story? Yeah. yeah. All right, for those of you who don't know the story, guy's coming home from a fishing trip in the Bahamas. He's in a little Cessna, and all of a sudden the pilot goes, guys, I should tell you something. I don't feel good. I'm feeling a little fuzzy. And then out. He's out. <laughs> Pilot's out. The plane is in a nosedive. Right. That's this guy, crazy. This guy, Darren, he's 39 years old. He was in the back of the plane. He was taking a picture of his feet up with his shoes off like, hey, coming home from the Bahamas. No, you're not. Now you got to land a plane. And this guy has no flight experience at all. The plane's in a nosedive. The, the, the pilot is slumped over in the seat. And he gets up and he picks up the radio. And I got the call. Listen to how calm this guy is. I've got a serious situation here about pilot. Number 333, Lima Delta, Roger, what's your position? I have no idea. I can see the coast of Florida in front of me, and I have no idea. Okay. Uh, hi, <laughs> I'm on a plane. Uh, I have a serious condition here, I uh, and I've never flown a plane before. What's your position? My head is between my legs, and I'm kissing my ass goodbye. <laughs> That's currently what I'm doing. <laughs> where are you? I'm in the sky. Yeah. On a plane. That's where I'm at. Yeah. You, you, can you hear this? Ah! <laughs> That's me. <laughs> but this guy was common. It says here in the article, he's like, uh, uh, I, had, I wasn't panicked at all. I have a pregnant wife. I can't die today. This is not my day. Brittany, that's his wife. Brittany is pregnant and my baby's on the way. I'm not dying today. Ah, oh, I didn't read Oof. that part. Yeah. So wow. what else did he say in the call? What happened? All right, so here's, here's the rest of the call. Roger, uh, try to hold the wings level and see if you can start uh, descending for me. Okay, at no point did he say, I'm sorry, that's not my job. Do you see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Well, if you'd been in a plane, <laughs> maybe I would have had a different reaction. I would have been dead and you you would have been the last voice I heard. <laughs> What do you want me to do? Yeah, Why? Yeah. I don't know. What do you want me to do? Bang! That's it. <laughs> At least a Google search, Mark. Yeah. Here's the rest of the goal. Uh, push forward on the uh, controls and uh, descend at a very slow rate. We'll maintain 5,000 and uh, follow the coast, and we're going to try to find you here on the radar. Okay, so they're looking for him. 
They like descend at a very slow rate. <laughs> yeah. And they're looking for him on the radar. He's on a fishing trip with his buddies. In the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. Well, he's mm-hmm. coming home. He's in Florida. This is West Palm Beach. So he's following the coast, right? Right. Uh, and here's a resident. Number three, Lima Delta. Palm Beach Approach is going to talk to you. They're going to direct you to the Palm Beach Airport. You should hear them on this frequency momentarily. Turn on uh, Lima 3. We got an emergency inbound uh, downstairs, so we're trying to get everybody. Uh, we're opening up the runways now. And appreciate uh, everybody's patience here. Appreciate your patience. What I don't get, I mean... Why are they letting him land the plane where other planes and people are? Where's he going to land? In a mall? I I don't know. I would take him out in the field or something. Well, I guess the best shot they got is on a runway. That's what they're made for. That's crazy. Well, they cleared everything out. And they can see him. Once he gets close enough, they can see him from the tower and kind of this sight guide him in, you know, I'm guessing. And and they've got all the, the emergency equipment there on the ground to help yeah. him out once he gets there. So I think I know what you're saying, yeah. Alex, but I think when you look at it, it's probably the best decision they could make is like, you got to come here. I just I'm astonished that the guy wasn't like, here's what we need. You need to get somebody in here with a jetpack. Yeah, parachute. That's yeah. all I need. I'm yeah. not landing this crap. I don't I, know. I'm not a pilot. I need some flying ninjas up here. I need something. Yeah. Because this ain't me. This is not my job. I, I, I speak with an English accent on a sports <laughs> podcast. That's what I do. Hello. I once flew for the RAF. Yes, I can do this for you. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, I... I yeah, I, the, I think the only thing I would have said, and I would have said it very calmly because I wanted to make sure this information got out, I would have said, look, I'm going to do my best. I'm not a pilot. It's not my job. But I'm going to do my best. But I need you to tell all my loved ones I love them very much, and I need you to go find my laptop and erase all the search history, okay? <laughs> that needs to be done immediately. Okay, Mark, we'll make sure that happens, but I'm done to hear the rest of this call. What happened? All right. Uh, you just witnessed a couple passengers land that plane. Man, they did a great job. The passengers landed the airplane? That's correct. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no. no, great job. No flying experience. Look well, at that. We didn't hear the the exciting part. That's the exciting part. That's that's all I got. Well, that's, okay. <laughs> that's okay. all I got. Okay, well. That's, <laughs> that, that's the end of the call. That's, okay, I, I didn't hear the, the, oh, my God, what, where's the gas? Where, where's the brake? Where's the, where's the, you know? Okay, oh, okay, hold on. Okay. Oh, my God, where's the gas? Where's the brake? I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I'm coming yeah. in. Put your seats and tray tables in an upright position. This is our final descent. <laughs> Have you thought about a JetBlue credit card? You can get bonus miles if you apply right now for your JetBlue credit card. Uh, yeah. Well, thank God he landed the plane. I mean, that guy should be—he should get a medal. Yeah, and he was calm, and he said, it's, it, "Today's not my day to die." I thought that was great. Um, good for him. Yeah. And even though it wasn't his job, he stood up and he did it. That's a good man. That's a good man. I think I want not only want to get him on the show, I want him to produce this show. That's what I want him to do. <laughs> I think he can do it, Adam. I think he can. That's tough but fair. Thank you. <laughs> and and I, when I was talking to Liz Mealy, she uh she yelled at T D Bank for not doing their job, which was just to watch her money, and they gave most of her money to some older Greek woman who paid a Walmart bill. That sounds crazy. It's crazy and it scared the hell out of me, but she's very, very funny and I really enjoyed talking to her. So you guys listen to this and we will see you on the other side. Instead of responding to that's not my job with debate or a directive, I want you to say, okay, what is your job? And here's what will happen. 
The employee will start describing their role. They'll mention their title and they'll tick off the job duties associated with their role. They'll say, I was hired to blah, 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 blah. Let them go for a moment and then stop and say, Try to hold the wings level and see if you can start uh, descending for me. I'm sorry, that's not my job. Do you see what I'm trying to say? <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara Podcast. This is 30 minutes you'll never get back. I've done my part. You're on your own. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Ah, yes, some summertime fun heading your way. I got some stand updates for you. June 24th and 25th, I'll be at the Grand Comedy Club in Escondido, California. July 1st and 2nd, I'll be back at one of my favorite clubs, Cobbs in San Francisco. July 8th and 9th, I'm going home to Strong Island, baby. Maguire's Comedy Club in Bohemia. It's right by my mother. I'm going to see my mom. And July 10th, I will be at Soul Joel's in Jefferson, Pennsylvania for one night only. There's a link for tickets right here in the show notes or you go to the website and click the link there uh if you can make any of these gigs please come by and let me shake your hand and thank you for all the love and support you've shown me and this podcast all right go on get out of here pay attention when i'm talking to you boy adhd it's not just for kids nice boy but doesn't listen to a word you say Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is an author, podcaster, cat owner, fellow anxiety sufferer, and a very funny stand-up. Her new special is called Self-Help Me. Her book is called Why Cats Are Assholes. Her podcast is called Two Non-Doctors. She tours internationally, and her extensive travels has brought her to the conclusion of Fuck Finland. She is someone I am always happy to see. We both seek comfort in object permanence, and I'm very grateful she's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Liz Mealy. How are you, my friend? I'm lovely. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's good to see you. And I, I meant what I said. I'm always happy when I see you. I ran into you at uh, Gotham. Tonight. Yeah, you're working out some new stuff. I love my favorite thing both to perform and watch other people perform is new stuff. Yeah, it's you can feel the excitement in the person like, yeah, there's a little bit like I don't know where this is going. But mm -hmm. also you're just when something hits like every they're laughing and you're like, oh, like you're just you're just like 
you're both the audience and you are experiencing that works together. And it's yeah, just, oh, that's like, pretty cool. Yeah. It's the best yeah. feeling. Yeah. No, we met at Gotham, I think. You actually, I think I met you when you were hosting my Gotham comedy live. I think that's how we first met. Yeah. Yeah. Super fun. I always liked you. I always thought you were funny. But in doing my research on you, I'm like, you're just as nuts as me. Yeah. Pretty much. I was like, I was listening to the podcast when you go into a hotel room. We do the same thing. The do not disturb goes right on the outside of the door. And I don't want anybody in the room. That's it. I'm done. I'll take care of it. I'll clean it, which means it, which means I'm happy to live in the filth, but I'm not going to clean it. A hundred percent. Yeah. But just having my stuff where I need it. And that's the thing when I, when I mentioned object permits, you have ADD. And part of mm-hmm. the thing I didn't know about ADD because I suffer from it as well is um, object permanence. That's why I like my stuff out in the open. So I know where it is. It's, it really helps to understand that because I really have, I've always lived in organized chaos, mm-hmm. which is it looks, you walk into my apartment, you, you walk into my hotel room, you look at my desktop, whatever it is. And you're like, this is crazy, but I know where everything is. Mm-hmm. I have a system, even if you don't understand my system. And a lot of it is I need it. If, if I don't see it, it's dead to me. Yeah. And I wish I didn't function that way because I like things to be organized and put away, but I really struggle with not, and I have a bad memory. So if I, I'm like, this is where it goes. It's always going to go here. And then if it's not something I use every day, I'm like three weeks ago, I decided it went to a place and I'll never find it again. <laughs> like, I don't, I can't find that logic. That logic's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I have everything like I put, and then here's the thing that, that I do is like, I need to see it. I know where it is. Even if it's in a mess, I know where it is, but uh, organization yes. or, or the illusion of organization and structure eases my anxiety. Yes. Yeah. Even, even if it doesn't make sense, it just kind of helps me get through that moment of panic. But what's even crazier is I want a clean desk and I, and I feel happier when my desk is clean, but I cannot keep it clean. It does not stay clean for more than a couple of hours. The same way, you know, my friend Maria, who I do the podcast with, she cannot keep her room clean. She's like, I just can't. I, 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 and I think some of it is being in a small space because we don't, but like, even when I have, like, I'm really trying not to use my kitchen table as something that organizes my brain because I actually have two desks in my apartment. I have a small one and then I have a large one and they're both secretary desks so I can Mm kind of hide it, but there is no reason for me to use my dining room table as another desk. You have enough desks. Like, it's just, I, yeah, I need the room. I need the room. I, I, I like things spread out. It's my wife. My wife, we've been yeah. looking for her glasses for two days. Well, you so, know, my, my dad does. Or my dad's dyslexic as well. And I also think probably has ADD. Um, he just buys seven pairs of glasses and hides them everywhere. So he has a pair in his car. He has a pair in his, my, my mom's car. He has a pair in his office. He has a pair in the kitchen. And that's the only way that he's really learned to get ahead of that is it's, you're no longer, that's why the channel changer, I think for everybody is just like a mess is because there's one of them as opposed to like glasses. What my dad has 15 of them. I can't afford that 15 nice. pairs of these. I can't even afford these. Of course. So now course. I got to be a grown up. You know, that's the, the, the other one, the, the shotgun approach to dealing with your crazy. No, I is out of my budget. 
And I do think it's kind of funny that it really is. My dad has like a scavenger hunt for his glasses where he's like, there might be one in the living room. I think there's one in my car. (laughs) Like my dad dad has borrowed my car and he's like, Hey, I think there's two pairs of glasses in there. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to steal them. Like I'm not going to take them. (laughs) (laughs) And both your parents are are vets, right? Yes. Okay. How was that growing up? Because one of the bits you do that I love was uh, my mom is my drug dealer for years, whether she knows it or not. I thought that was a great line because your mom gave you Xanax. Yeah. And it's literally Xanax for dogs. Like it was Mm -hmm. Xanax for the dogs. And then my mom was like, well, I could use some. She's like, it's the same thing. And then, you know what I mean? And it's all been based on weight. So I I got cut from the joke, but it was a hundred percent true. I remember I asked my mom for Xanax and she was like, how much do you weigh? And I was like, I don't know, like four Yorkies. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, you know, it's just like, uh, but the truth of the matter is I, I think I always loved my parents being vets and it does affect you the same way that when parents there's we know comics that their parents are doctors or both Mm -hmm. their parents are lawyers or you know somebody who's a psychologist like it there's definitely something it's a little like you grow up crazy but I was always surrounded by animals both we had animals at home and we used to live next to my mom's cat clinic so I used to do my homework in the lobby of a cat clinic like I was Mm -hmm. always around cats and always kind of in that area but also all all my drugs said for cats and dogs only like (laughs) it's to the point now where it's still a little embarrassing where I'll tell my dad about something and I'll be like, Hey, I have this weird rash. And he's like, Oh, I can send you something. So my dad mails me drugs. It says for cats and dogs only. And then it's like, it makes the medicine cabinet even more scary where you're like, don't go in there. I don't have a cat right now. And I look crazy. Cause like, you know what I mean? Like eczema on a dog and eczema on a human. It's the same thing. That's funny. I went to a medicine cabinet. I think she's got ringworm. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, a hundred percent true though. Like, and so I, um, I, I will say this, I, I am starting to try to be a little anti-doctor because mm. we really didn't go to the doctors. I would go to my parents. Right. So my parents are, are still one of the first people I go to when I have any issue. And then even, um, I had to go to a specialist for something. I'm trying to my body's just never been what I need it to be. But the guy was telling me medical jargon and I kind of just called my dad. I was like, can you be on speakerphone and listen to this guy? Cause he's telling me stuff and I don't know how to make an educated decision about my own body because mm-hmm. I don't really know what he's saying. So then my dad's on the phone with this guy and the doctor goes, he goes, Oh, you're a doctor. He goes, I'm a veterinarian. He's like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> the doctor was like, all right. Like he didn't even know. He's like, clearly this guy knows what he's talking about, but he's talking about like, you know, uh, uh, it's in reference to a dog, to the point where the guy was even suggesting acupuncture as a form of kind of helping my body. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, my dad does that on dogs. Like yeah. it's been really helpful. My wife, my wife has, has, has a holistic vet that came to her house, Liz. Yeah. Sitting there with the little pins in the dog. The dog's just sitting there. It's got a little pin sticker. I couldn't watch it. Yeah. They, yeah, yeah. They were sitting there watching. I couldn't do it at all. The last five years, my dad went to continuing education and he started getting into like acupuncture for dogs and like lasering. Like I know I've never, I don't know if you've ever had to get like your back lasered or your Mm -hmm. knees lasered, something that was like chronic pain. And my mom, my parents had this machine. I mean, they don't have it now. They sold their practice, but they were lasering their own knees. And they're like, this stuff's great. Like, so like I was having some back problems years ago. My mom's like, come in, I'll laser your back. And I'm just like, and the same thing, they have pictures of dogs and cats. And she's like, uh, I think you're, a little smaller than a, a, a German shepherd. And I was like, yep, that's, that's me. <laughs> Small German shepherd. But it is, you have to literally shoot. My mom would be like, pick dog. It's like all pictures, pick dog under 140 pounds. Like, it was like, cool. But what, is the, what does the laser do? 
So there's tons of stuff with that's like one of the episodes we did for two non doctors, the lasers. Um, it's, I I don't fully understand, but it's basically, um, like there's a laser for my aunt had a, a a benign tumor in her brain. Mm -hmm. And instead of going in and cutting it open and she's, you know, she's in her eighties, they take a laser and it breaks it up. Like it breaks up over the course of several times. So the same way that there's laser, um, tattoo removal, it's breaking Mm -hmm. up the ink and your body actually starts to decompose it itself. I think the same thing with inflammation, which is what chronic pain is it's inflammation, or at least the type of pain I had it is. I think it's just breaking, breaking that up. I'm sounding like a moron because I am, but like, that was like, what was cool about it is that there's some inflammation that's just sometimes it's overuse. Sometimes it might be your diet, whatever it is, but it's, it's a softer way of helping that along. And your aunt 80 and like what, like a, a mid-sized collie? What size? Is yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> is your mom, do, do you get, do you feel like you get more of your humor from your mom or your dad? I would say my humor is my mom mm-hmm. and like, okay. So like my mom's very ranty. It's actually kind of fun, funny sometimes that I don't remember it or see it. Cause I don't see her all the time. And mm-hmm. she'll tell me a story and she'll start building up in anger. And I'm like, Oh, that's where that comes from. So <laughs> my mom is very funny. She has a great sense of humor and she's just like that kind of crazy anger that I have on stage. My dad is very logical. He's a problem solver. Um, he is very particular. So like who I am in the crux, like my heart and how I do things is my dad. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you've really analyzed when people like you or what your fan base is. I have a lot of older men that mm-hmm. like me and like, not even like in a creepy way. Like they have all my albums. They love my specials. They quote my standup. And I really think it's because I am my father and I just happen to look like this because <laughs> even like my parents came to my taping for my, my newest special a couple of weeks ago and we got breakfast and my dad was complaining about something with some, like, you know, they're having some work done on their house and somebody didn't do something. And I was like, Oh, and then I started chiming in about something that happened with me. And so then it's just me and my dad being like the, the nerve. And I'm just laughing at us because I'm like, I am my father. Like, of course we get along. We're both like, I paid you and you should show up on time. And I was like, Oh my God, I am. I am my dad. Yeah. I'm my dad. I'm my dad with a better sense of humor. Like that is what it is. Yeah. I get, I get it for, I get the emotional stuff from my mom. I get the, the, the yelling from my mom yes. and, and my dad uh, and, and the, and the crime boss problem solving. Come here. What's the matter with you? What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I get, I get to say, but I can see, I could, I, and I don't know if this makes any sense to you. And the reason I asked you that question is because I could see your dad in the setup and I could see your mom in the bunch lines. It's a hundred percent true though. Like I'm very, like I'm um, it's not done yet, but I'm working on this joke right now, which came from a rant I did on my podcast um, with my friend Maria, but I ordered something from UPS. They said it was delivered and I was home all day and it wasn't delivered. So then Mm. now I'm calling UPS. They don't know where it is. I'm calling the people I ordered it from and they're actually being really nice. And they ended up just printing the thing again and sending it to me again, which is great. The problem is solved, but nobody in this, this is in every realm of customer service. I'm not being compensated for my time. Mm. You just wasted my time and did a shit job. And I'm not being compensated for my time, 
the stress, the cardiac arrest, the little bit of cancer. I was like, you just gave me 0.05% cancer. I'm going to send an invoice. When I have to go to the doctor, you're going to have to pay 16th of this bill because that's your fault. And so it's like that kind of like, that's my dad's logic. And then my mom's exaggeration of like, you need to pay for 0.05% cancer. Like, and I can see it. Like, it's so crazy. And then you start to look at like your parents together and you're just like, how'd they ever come together? And then you are your parents and you're like, who am I going to find that's going to tolerate this? <laughs> like, <laughs> ugh, 36 and single. And I'm like, no, they're right out there. They're right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Who am I going to find? Are you, you got anybody now? You dating anybody now? No, I've been single for about a year and a half and I, I really didn't try for a year and I think that was the right move. Just, you know, get back on the road, get back to just focus on my career, heal mm. my heart. But then you start to realize, and I've seen it in some of my friends that are older that you're just like, I like my life and it is going to be even harder to date. Not for the cliche reasons of everybody's taken or it's only, you know, only mm. the bad fish are out there. I actually don't think that's true. I do fully believe that I am the happiest I've ever been and mm. the most confident I've ever been. And it's going, it's more of a risk to bring somebody into, into that because I have more to lose. Yeah, I like my okay. life. I'm pushing back. I'm pushing. Back. You can before please. you're not, you're not going to lose. If you find the right person, you're not going to lose as much as you're going to enhance and get better. It's going to be Absolutely. different. You're gonna, there's a little bit of, and the word sacrifice is the wrong word. Compromise is more appropriate. Don't get me wrong, Liz. Pain in the ass. Woman's going to kill me. I'm going to die first. I know it's coming. <laughs> but I, I and it's good that you like your life and you're and you're enjoying your 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 achievements now and, and your art you're creating. That's good. But this is you're not going to lose that. Uh, I don't think I'm going to lose it. But my tolerance for bullshit and for what I dealt what I accepted in my 20s is gone. And the truth of the matter is, I am financially career and emotionally further than most men my age. And that's mm. not, that's not, I'm not trying to be a shithead. It's just true. I've been in therapy for 10 years. I've been working on my career for 20 years and I have worked so hard in a business that is very financially crippling and, and, and all over the place. I am financially stable. I do not need anybody where I used to make sacrifices because I did need somebody to hold me up emotionally. I did need somebody that made me feel a little bit more financially secure. I did need somebody to make me feel good about myself. And I don't need those things. So the person that's going to be in my life is going to be where I am in my life too. And yeah. I just don't know how many men around my age that have done the work that I've done to feel how I feel about myself. Well, I'm, I'm pitching you this. Okay. What, what, what made me just want to hit my wife in the head and drag her back to my cave and went, that's mine. First of all, <laughs> stunning. My wife, just <laughs> stunning. I'm batting over my head, Mealy. There was, a, there was it just, it, trust me, I, 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 I called the castle. The princess was sleeping. I threw over the horse. She woke up. Now you're married to me. Um, um, <laughs> that's a crime. I mean. Yeah, yeah, cr oh, felony. Yeah, it's a felony. Um, but changed when you when I heard you talking, you were, the word need came out. What what got me was want. That's how I knew that's mine. Because yeah. it wasn't. I didn't have to. I wanted to. Yes. I wanted that woman. I wanted to. I wanted to do this with her. And I think when you you meet the right person, it, that shift happens from from need to want. 
I agree. And I think that's also important on a healthy, a healthy place, which is, you know, when you're young and you're insecure, you think I want this person to um, make me feel better about myself, even if it's not conscious. Mm -hmm. And I don't need somebody to make me feel better about myself. I just want somebody that enjoys being around me the same amount that I enjoy being around them. And I, I have such a good friend core. Like I I'm very close with my siblings. I'm very close with my friends. It's, it's a big shoe to fill. I want you to be as awesome as the people I already have in my life. I'm not saying mm. it's going to happen right away. It needs to build, but I think my tolerance for okay. And for half-assing, um, getting to know me or showing up for me, that's gone. So oh, yeah, that's so yeah. If I was going on a bunch of dates before I've I'm going on a third of the amount of dates because we don't even get to the date part. Cause I'm like, you're not even basically trying. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So yeah. I think that's the thing is that I it's, it's, it feels less of a movement now, but I'm also weeding out people much earlier. Okay. Your awareness of what will work for you uh, is, is, is a little more heightened. Look, when I got married, I, I said, I do. I didn't say, well, you'll do. You know, yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. I think everybody wants somebody that's just as excited about them as they, that you are excited. You know, it's a mutual excitement. And yeah. I think more and more, I, I don't know. I, it's so crazy to actually, cause I wasn't happy most of my life. It's so crazy to be happy and be like, I worked really hard to be happy. I want you to be happy too. I want us to come together and build an even more exciting life. I don't want me to have to make you feel happy or vice versa. Yeah. When you said you weren't happy for most of your life, we, we, we talked briefly about, you know, therapy and stuff. And, and, uh, and one of the, one of your jokes that, that you do that I love is I used to take floor drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's, killed it's- me. It's true though. Like, especially as a teenager, I was just, I just needed to get out of my head. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the first real party I went to, I was 14 years old. I had my first beer. I did ecstasy and I smoked my first cigarette. That was my first time doing anything. Oof. And then it started to be like smoking weed, weed laced with stuff, drinking more, all this stuff. And I just didn't want to be me. And I just didn't want to feel anything. And it was absolutely. So we really would be like, Ooh, cool. Like there was no, I didn't respect myself in any level. Cause I didn't want to be myself. Mm-hmm. So it's so interesting now where I really, I don't drink. It's mostly because of health problems, but I I'm much healthier. I could drink maybe a little bit, but I don't even feel a desire. So I haven't drank probably in eight years. I occasionally smoke weed, but I really don't feel a desire. I have panic attacks a lot of time. It just, it's not fun. Like it was when I was a teenager and then anything else. I don't, what am I, what am I going to do Coke for? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'll just sleep. 1986. We're not at a roller rink. Yeah. Like, and it's funny, I have, there's a bunch of comics that do ayahuasca and all this other stuff and it sounds beautiful and whatever, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I need that. Like mm-hmm. I it's, don't get me wrong. I get angry. Half my act is complaining, but I think the real shift from therapy and, and healing and just liking myself and my life better is that I don't need to escape anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Or see, see, mine was never really an escape. Mine was a, uh, it was an unconscious sabotaging, you know? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So mine was like, and I didn't even know, I, you know, I wouldn't know what I'd do. It was like, I was always like, no, I'll, I'll, I'll be the wacky neighbor. You know, I don't need, I'll just yeah, be the yeah, wacky yeah. neighbor. And, uh, and then I was pissed off. I wasn't one on the call sheet when I, you know, putts, we offered you that. Now you want to be the wacky neighbor, you know? So it was yeah. like unaware of, uh, it was, it, I felt like I didn't deserve shit. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a ton of self-sabotaging in stand-up. And I've even seen my own places where I would ex- like almost inexplicably not put myself in that position so that I couldn't not be chosen. Like mm-hmm. I already assumed I wasn't going to be chosen. So I would not be around for auditions or I would just not be in the mix because I would, I couldn't handle the rejection if I didn't get it. Yeah. You can't find me. I quit. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I, I think even just healing enough to put myself out there and be okay with the rejection. I actually think a lot of my success with social media and YouTube and being online is a hundred percent. Like I have a lot of friends that are just starting now and they're like, yeah, I posted it and it got 10 views and I go, okay, so nobody saw it. You can't fail. And if nobody saw it, then mm. post it again another time. It could have been because you posted at the wrong time. It could have been because something else happened in the news and it took people away from that. It's not always about you when something doesn't do well. And if nobody saw it, then there's no reason you can't post it again. Yeah. Also, the beauty of the internet, unlike TV, is it, it could be discovered at any time. Any time somebody could discover it. Mm. So it might have gotten 10 views now, but you don't know if some person shares it to somebody else. And now it has a hundred thousand views because some big celebrity shared it to somebody and it went viral. So it's also delayed uh, gratification has been very important, but also just knowing that like, this is something to build off of. And, and this is a different type of rejection than the one we think where we don't get the audition or we don't get the part or what have you. And yeah. I really learned to train myself to enjoy the journey, even in this kind of, uh, PR-ness that we're doing. Yeah, I, I, I intellectually understand that I take life too personally. Yeah. <laughs> but we all have things where we, we there's, there's self-care things that you have to do yourself. I know exercise is big for you. You're like a, a gym rat and you run, which is yeah. amazing to me because I'm not, I'm not front. Since I got a driver's license, I barely walk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that was a, a form of numbing for a while. I actually used exercise very negatively for a long time, but also it's think about all we do in our career where it's, you know, you're creating and even in the form of performing your jokes and doing new material, there's a judgment. And even when it's, I've learned to enjoy that part, but you know, everything we're doing is being evaluated and judged and decided if it is, has value And to me, exercise is the few times that it's like, it is just movement. You get that serotonin the same way you do from being on stage and the endorphins, but it's, it's, there's really not too much evaluation to me. It's just about moving and doing your best and sweating a little bit. And I get all the same things I get on stage, but there's no judgment. And it's also, I'm away from my phone. I'm, I don't have to, my brain shuts down in like the healthiest way. Like it's not like escape in the way I talked about drugs, it's escape in the almost meditative state. Mm -hmm. And it it is always, I did gymnastics when I was a kid, I did it for 11 years. And then I started getting into running and then I started getting into running and CrossFit. So I've always kind of been um, into fitness, but what I've noticed is uh, in the last couple of years, it's a hundred percent been like, this is my time where I'm doing it just for me and nobody else. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I, when I had a trainer that, that, that pushed me when I had a trainer because I spent money and someone else is waiting for me. So now yes. working out doesn't become about me. It's like I've made a commitment to somebody else and that motivates me. Absolutely. Um, and, and my gym is really expensive. So it's like that kind of keeps me going where I'm just like, all right, you don't really have the money for this. So yeah. you should go. Yeah. Well, you don't have the money because some old Greek lady stole your money out of your account. Yes. <laughs> Did you watch my whole special? I did. I think you're funny. You make me laugh. That's very nice of you. 
Yeah. I, I got to ask you the story because your mother was the punchline. Someone, someone hacked your account and you were like, what happened to my money, TD Bank? You were supposed to be watching it. It's funny. I even wrote a new joke for my new special about it because it was so absolutely traumatic. And I, I think we're all like this. Like I got my bank account when I moved to New York City when I was mm -hmm. 18 years old. It was like my school was like, this is where you should go. It was actually Commerce Bank. And then I had an old joke from years ago because one day I woke up and Commerce Bank was TD Bank. And I was mm -hmm. like, do you guys have my money? Like nobody, <laughs> nobody told, I literally went to my bank and I was like, um, guys, like what? So, so I've been with TD bank literally for over 20 years and they were never good, but what's going to motivate me to move my money? You know what I mean? I just, there's nothing to motivate me. And then theft, I'm not even theft to motivate you. It really did because I went to go deposit a check I got from a comedy club and I went to deposit it in like a machine and the machine said all it was an $800 check. It just said that was all that was in my account. And I was like, what? That can't, that can't be right. So then I go on the app and I was like, what? I was like so confused. So then I call the bank and I go, Hey, how much money is in my checking account? And they're like $800. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I go, what? So then I was like, what, what's going on? And then they see like somebody took a bunch of money and they paid off like a Walmart bill and they took a bunch of money and they gave it to another bank and like all this stuff. And I'm like, guys. And it was overdraft. My account was overdraft. I've never overdrafted in my life. It was overdrafted four times. No alerts. Nobody told me this had been going on for four days. And I was like, your whole job is to watch my, I can do a shitty job watching my money. Your whole job. No. And I was freaking, freaking out and talk about that's the motivation. So now I'm with chase. I'm not saying they're a better bank, but I get an alert if $30 or more is spent because yeah. what am I spending this money on? Yeah. But it's so crazy to me that I, you have these moments that happen and it like, and like the nice thing about banks is that, you know, I clearly got it back. I don't know if they got it back from the people that hacked my account, but that's the whole point is that they're supposed to be watching it. And if they fuck up, you have to go give me my money back. Mm -hmm. But it's so crazy. Like that, whatever that feeling is that out of control feeling where you're just like, I, I'm such a logical brain where I'm like, there is zero excuse as a company for me to be feeling the way I feel almost the same way I was talking about before. Like I can't, you just gave me a little bit of cancer. Like <laughs> why, why am I dealing with this? Your whole job is to watch my money. Yeah. And you know, clearly I've tried to work on not freaking out, but there's just some things you can't like, no, that was, I freaked out watching it. I, Cause that, <laughs> by the way, that feel, the, the, the descriptive word you're looking for, for that feeling is it's terror. It's called terror. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I have a little bit the money and now it's gone do you know how hard i worked for that yeah and some guy spent it on walmart of all places <laughs> crazy yeah. i get the the order and the and not doing your job and my my problem well i have many mealy i'll pick this one my problem is i project my I guess responsibility or my structure or, or, or what I value of being on time is yes. I project that on everybody else. Like, how could you not? I go, because you're different people. I'm very similar. And it's taken me a long time to understand that because so there was, I read something somewhere that what people apologize for is often what they expect from you. So I have mm -hmm. a girlfriend we, we run um, in the park most Sundays that I'm in town 
and I'll get a text and she's like, I'm so sorry. I'm running like 10 minutes late. And I'm like, it's totally fine. And then she shows up and she's like, I'm so, so sorry. I was like, dude, it's fine. She's like, and like in the middle of the run, she's like, I'm really sorry. I was like, dude, it's fine. But she is a hardworking, punctual person. And she would be mad if I showed up 10 minutes late. So of course she feels terrible that she's doing that to me. And so I'm like, it's totally okay. But then if I'm late, I'm the same person. I'm like, Hey, I'm so, cause I'm a punctual person. I'm a show up early person. So you start to realize that. And then even I've had to be like, some people are never going to show up late. That's not where their value is. I cannot take it personally. They, for whatever reason, just don't factor in time. And that's what it is. But you either have to learn to accept that from somebody or you have to counterbalance it, which is you lie to people. We actually have to leave at 7.15 instead of 7.30. So when they're ready at 7.30, we're actually still on time. I like to think it's respect for other people. It is very respectful. I think it is. And my father's like, if you're late for somebody, my father told me, you're late for somebody, you're late for an appointment. And you, you don't respect that other person's time. And that's the way they're going to see it. I was raised the same way. Yeah. Well, also, you know, what's really interesting. And I've always said this to younger comedians, 70% of our job is showing up on time. You you can bomb and you still get paid. So not stressing out the booker being, being there at least 15 minutes before your spot, especially in the city. And then being around like, and don't get me wrong. I've seen comics show up late and they still get booked. But like, I had an ex-boyfriend, this was like 15 years ago and he was doing a college, which is like, you know, in the beginning, really good money for us. Mm -hmm. And he didn't leave in time. He hit a bunch of traffic and he pretty much almost missed the gig. Like he ended up showing like 25 minutes late to the point where they almost canceled the gig. They ended up just letting him know and they still did it. But I was mad at him. I was like, dude, for that much money, your only job is to show up on time. You yeah. can bomb for an hour and they still have to pay you. But if you had showed up maybe 20 minutes later than that, you would have done all that driving for nothing. So if you think about it, it's one of the most important parts of our career is just being on time. Yeah. Being on time, doing your job, being prepared and sticking to your time and knowing what the job is. Clearly you've done all the work on yourself uh, and you're, you're at a nice place in your life. Now, if you could, if you could surmise, what's the one thing that you went, ah, that was the moment. That was the key. This is what I learned. This is what, what made, uh, made the clouds part for me. So I could see the, 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 the path ahead. It's a little bit of a sad story, but I was like 10 years in and I was really sad, like really, really sad. I was living with Carmen Lynch, um, Mm -hmm. who's brilliant and wonderful. And, you know, she was doing really well. And I felt not I was plateaued if I, I just wasn't where I wanted to be. And she would always take time to talk to me. And I give her so much credit because I was kind of miserable to be around. Um, but I was talking to a girlfriend of mine that's not in comedy. We've been friends since high school. And I was really sad. I was just complaining about comedy. And she goes, if you hate it so much, why don't you quit? And I was mad at her. I was like, that's not the solution. I was like, mm-hmm. so mad at her. Like she didn't get it. And you can see, you can tell I'm a very fun friend to have. I'm like mad at everybody, <laughs> but I was, I was mad at her. And then I started to realize, I started to think about it. I go, well, do I hate comedy? And I go, I don't, I love writing. I love trying new stuff. I love the structure of it. I love performing. I don't hate comedy. I hate the business. The business mm. makes me feel like I'm not good enough. And the business makes me feel unseen and all these things that were clearly uh, insecurities of mine. And I kind of came up with this plan. I go, what can I do to feel good about comedy and my career? And I don't need the business. What can I do on my own? And the conclusion was 
I could probably make an album on my own. I can mm-hmm. book a, I can book a club. I can hire some, you know, uh, audio people and I can self-release it. And I met up with Greg Warren, who is also just a wonderful person. And he taught me what he did to self-release. And I just started researching what can I do where I don't need anybody. And it's only about my comedy to show people I'm worthy of headlining. I'm worthy of being on TV. And, um, it changed the game for me. I started, I stopped auditioning. I stopped trying to do festivals. I stopped trying to do TV. I just focused on what I can do that I can continue to be a comic and grow as a comic. And because of that album, which now I released just the video of it um, at the beginning of the pandemic, it has over almost 2.5 million views. Mm -hmm. um, And that's eight years later, but I got a viral video from that. I started getting auditions because of that album. And a lot of uh, live, uh, the Gotham comedy live that I met you, I did feminist sex positions and that went viral. And that started Mm -hmm. to get my name passed around and people, I started to build a fan base. I started to learn about YouTube and invest my time in YouTube. I started to learn about social media. I read 10 books on social media and I started to make social media, my manager. And I'm one of the people people go to about social media. So everything that happened at this saddest, lowest part, of my career and of my life in a lot of ways was because I decided I'm not going to let the industry decide my value. I'm going to decide my value and I'm going to do whatever it takes without needing them. And now I'm very grateful. I have a manager. I am with uh, an agency. uh, I have a fan base. um, People know who I am, but all of that stemmed from not needing them and, Mm -hmm. and booking myself and just showing people I was a headliner on my own. And now I'm going to have my fourth album out, um, fourth album and special out um, probably in June. And I've already written a half hour of what's going to be my fifth hour. And it's, I, I still utilize, you know, old Liz, I don't need anybody while also utilizing the new resources that I've gained in the last four or five years. But it was a game changer for me to be like, if I really love doing this, what do I need to do on my own to continue to love doing this? It's good. You framed a question in a place, in a way you could take action and then you followed through. Yeah. Well done, Millie. Thank you so much. (laughs) I said in the intro and I still say it. You're someone I always like to see and spend time with. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this to you anymore, given this this culture we live in, but I'm, I'm proud of you. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm proud of, I'm proud of you. This is a hard business. (laughs) Yeah. We're still here, baby. We keep swinging. Yeah. Thank you enough. Best to you and the family. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Hi, I'm Liz Mealy, and that's 30 Minutes I'll Never Get Back. I really like Liz. Uh, I think she's very funny, and and she understands my crazy. (laughs) You guys are very much alike. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just really glad that we finally had a cat person on the show, because, you know, I'm a cat person, and you guys have dogs, and I love the dogs, but there's a heavy dog presence on the show and in society in general mm-hmm. you know who else love dogs who son of sam okay <laughs> that's your, that's your people okay that's where you're going okay he's going there all right well <laughs> look i'm sure i'm sure at some point mr and mrs berkowitz were laying in bed going i told you we shouldn't have got him a dog <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. mark you know who else loves dogs who the police officers who found Son of Sam. Mm-hmm. That's true. Got okay. him. Got him because of a parking ticket too. That's yeah. right. But but in all in all seriousness, the fact that her parents were vets. Yeah. First, I was like, wait a minute, they're veterans? Oh no, they're veterinarians. Yeah. How how great is that? <laughs> yeah. The first thing I did was I went into I went into the medicine cabinet because we got we had drugs for our dogs. I'm like, is there anything here I can use? Because I didn't know. It does 
commingle. Yeah. It does. I mean, I'm not saying take it. I'm mm-hmm. just saying that the ingredients, if you read, are very similar. Yeah. Yeah. You look like the size of a German shepherd. Yeah. Take this and put it in your medicine cabinet. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you look through other people's medicine cabinets when okay. you're in other people's houses? All right. Look, I do, here, here, I do this in my house. When I'm having people over, I make sure the bathroom is clean and everything. There's, there's, there's nothing floating. You know, I make sure everything is okay if, if anyone wants to use the bathroom. And I take everything they need is out so they don't have to go into my medicine cabinet. But if I'm if I'm at someone's house and there's no soap or there's no and I I have to open the medicine cabinet, I have to because I need soap to wash my hands. And while I'm there, I'll look to see if there's anything I could catch. I'm not I'm not catch. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm looking to see if they got anything that's treating something that's infectious that I could get. (laughs) I'm not prying. It's self preservation. Adam, you're a moron. (laughs) You don't look. No. 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 All right, Mark. Do you look? I have looked, but I really don't like myself when I do. I feel like I've let, I'm have i sort of like betraying some sort of trust there. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Right. Is that a fungus? Okay. All right. Good, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So much judgment. Yeah. All right. Let me, let me ask you this. You look. Did you ever take? Did you ever go? They won't miss one. <laughs> no, no, no. I never, never help myself to the medication in the medicine cabinet. I, don't, I do not do that. Well, I will tell you this. When my father was going through cancer and I was sitting there, I was going, ah, let's split a Vicodin pop. Let's ride this one out. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, if someone went over Liz's house, they'd open up her cabin and say, wow, her dog's really sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got some problems. Yeah. And that's trouble concentrating. Yeah. <laughs> Because she has ADD. That's what object permanence is. That's why I like all my stuff out in the open, because part of ADD is a thing called object permanence, because if you don't see it, it's gone and you obsess about it. Mm-hmm. That's part of an aspect of ADD. So, okay. yeah, I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you why I like my shit out in the open. Mm-hmm. And why I keep shoving it back in the door. My, my, my wife puts things away. <laughs> but here's, here's the thing with my wife, Mark. She'll put things away and then forget where the hell they were. We were looking for your glasses for two days. No, no, that's that's different because I don't like wearing my glasses. Uh-huh. So I'll just take them off. Like all of a sudden I'll just take them off and I'll be in disgust. Right. And usually they're in the shower. Yeah. <laughs> but with like, and I know she was talking about like organization and everything flows from that. Mm-hmm. I, when I envision your guy's house, because I see everything as a battle of order versus chaos, you know, entropy, the forces of chaos always looking to dominate the forces of organization and control. But in your house, mm. I got to think, Adam, that you are chaos. And based on what I just heard, Alex, you're like the the your order is, is. Am I getting that accurate? One would think that you're wrong. I I maintain order through the chaos, which is <laughs> like Adam. an author- like an authoritative regime. That's how she maintains. <laughs> she maintains order. No, I maintain order through peace because, as you know, chaos is chaos. Uh-huh. So you need some peace. Adam is the definition of chaos. How do you figure? I'm a, I need structure for the anxiety. I'm always put these things away. Put a. Ca- Look, you, 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 my, my wife will open some water, take a sip of water, and leave the cap off. Drives me insane. Drives me insane. Your Honor, there's my case. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You are just all over the place. You cannot relax. What? Exactly. That's what chaos is, baby. That's what chaos is. Yeah, I just, I, I just, because I see what's going to happen. It's like, I like to write with these little fountain pens. And my wife goes, oh, I love these fountain pens. I go, put the cover on. She doesn't put the cover on. Guess what? There's ink on my couch in New York from the fountain pen that I knew was coming. All right. You want to hear one of my favorite quotes? Go ahead. Please. <laughs> to the mind that is still, the whole universe surrenders. Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> well put. Your Honor. Yeah. <laughs> to the mind that is still, you get trampled from the train, open your friggin' eyes and realize you're on a track, okay? Okay, I rest my case. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. If I was coming home from a, from a fishing trip in the Bahamas and the pilot passed out, I would I would take that advice. He was calm. Look at right. that. He landed a plane. He didn't yeah. know how to fly. Right. He 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 understood that he needed to complete a task, mm-hmm. so he calmed his mind and said, "Hey guys, I need some help. What would you do? What would you do in that situation?" I would lean over because I'd probably be in a plane with Phil. I would lean over and go, "You had to go fishing, right? This is how it ends. This is how it ends. Let's go fishing." <laughs> Couldn't fish off the dock in Long Island? No, let's go to the Bahamas. We'll get a private plane. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That seems pretty calm to me. Yeah. yeah, I could buy that. That scenario makes me want to take floor drugs. How funny was that? <laughs> okay, I didn't... What is what is floor drugs? Is that yeah. a drug you take and then you fall on the floor? Is no, that what that is? it's drugs you find on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yes. How do you know that you, how, where, where do you find drugs on the floor? You look down. You hang around people that, that take pills and you look down, I guess. But that's oh what she meant. Goodness. She took floor drugs. Never heard that term. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's a brilliant floor drugs. Why are they floor? I found them on the floor. Yeah. Come on, take a look. Yeah. <laughs> and she was taking the floor drugs because she just wanted to numb out because she didn't mm-hmm. want to be her anymore. And that's what, it was interesting. She said, I used exercise, uh, in a negative way, which I didn't know you could do. Oh, yeah. You yeah. can just um, exercise till you drop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's never going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I, you know. Well, I love the fact that she took control of her life and she was. Uh, that yes. takes courage. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, she's a very, she's a very impressive person. Yeah, well, Mark. the question she asked herself, I love comedy. Mm-hmm. But I hate the business. Right. So how do I keep comedy but eliminate all the crap out of it that I hate? And and she's found this path, and it's freed her up. And now she's she's killing it. I, I, I that to me is so inspiring. Yeah. I love it when somebody when somebody yeah. figures that out and stays on the path that clearly they were meant to stay on. Uh, I I just. I don't know. That just makes my heart beam. I love that. Stuff. I love that she did that for herself. What I do is is I hire people and then blame them. That's what I do. I got, I got agents. You know, I got lawyers. Right. I go, those sons of bitches. As I write them a check, this is what I did. Well, I, I think what she did was she thought out of the box. Mm-hmm. People maybe put limitations on her, and she's like, "Hey guys, don't do that." And mm-hmm. she got inner strength and drew out the negative thoughts and just focused going forward. Yeah, and and, and it raised her self esteem. One thing she said was, uh, "She's she's not going to accept mediocrity." in, you know, her work or her life. And, you know, when she was talking about a relationship, what I was trying to impress upon her, because I think she thought she's going to lose this momentum she has mm-hmm. or have to, if she gets into a relationship. And mm-hmm. it's only going to get better. My, my, I married you because it was a difference between have to and want to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted you. I still want you. You're, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, how else do you want to die? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I'm just, I mean, I still, I still... <laughs> I lo- I know how it's going to end. It's going to this is how it's going to end for me. Hurry! That's it. I'm done. <laughs> but but yeah, I I I I know where you were steering her with that and and I think that's that's right because you don't you don't want to close yourself off 
to the possibilities. You know, if someone comes into your life, you like, look, I've got to be able to have all of this. If it's the right person, you find a way to make all of yes. that work. But you don't want to say, all right, well, then I'll be with this person and my work will suffer. No, you kind of want everything to kind of go together is yeah. what I would imagine. Yeah, you don't want to be with someone out of loneliness. You want no. to be with someone who makes you better. Yeah. You know, who helps you. Um, strive for being all you can be. Yeah, I when I when I so honey, take your headphones off because I, I, you'll be impossible to live with if you hear this. <laughs> okay, just me and you, Adam. Yeah, what do you got? just between me and you. I looked at her, and that was the first time I was connected to something greater than myself. It was like this. It was like whoa, it was like a big hand just smacked me in the head. God just looked down and went, "Putts, how high I got to burn this bush? If you don't see this, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those moments where." You feel it's almost like you step out of yourself and then you can see this moment happening and you're like, oh, this is what they call a fork in the road. This is like the path I have to take now because yeah. you just your, your spirit compels you, you know, and you and when you're when you're drawn to somebody like that and, the, and you have that connection with somebody. I mean, I, I speak theoretically because I've never actually experienced this, but mm -hmm. I imagine it is fantastic. You know, it is. And I and I, and you, I hope I, I hope that you do experience because it's a beautiful part of living and gives life the meaning of why we're here. For, in my experience, I just don't yeah. want you to feel that mark and say, well, I can't. It's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> what do you work for TD Bank? Yeah. Is that yeah. What you do? yeah. You believe that? <laughs> Wait, I, I, do I sound like a middle aged Greek lady paying off a Walmart bill? Okay, so what actually happened? Somebody was taking money out of the account and 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 of TD Bank was letting her. Yeah, TD Bank was letting. Goes, oh, we just we didn't know. She's, just, do I, she's like, what? That's your job. That's literally your job. Your job. <laughs> you're in the fraud department. Your job is to be suspicious. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at that. That wasn't you. Yeah, we saw a bunch of money going out of there, but yeah, we probably should have had that. That's our bad. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> about your whole reason for existence professionally is to make sure that a strange greek woman doesn't take my money to pay walmart bills that's yeah. it that's your gig yeah what i liked is that she followed that through what do you mean to the end <laughs> which meant going to another bank well yeah you know <laughs> yeah. She, she just didn't complain about it she did something about it yeah it shouldn't make her bitter but it should definitely she knows now she's smarter and wiser. And she and she changed banks and she's not going back. She she learned once, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. She's like she's like I I, I I suspect that Darren Harrison is saying the same thing. That's the last time I'm going fishing in the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna yeah. thank my friend Liz Mealy for being on the show. Uh, her special self helped me on YouTube. I highly recommend you check it out. Honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrar at Gmail. We got t shirts. There's a link for them in the show notes. My special on YouTube as well is free. I hope you check it out out uh the show is growing and it's all because of you thank you for telling someone you love about the show uh and if you get a chance to leave us a review that helps us with our friend mr algorithm and i want to thank everybody that's hit me up on social media apparently they like carl and they like his his automotive exploits <laughs> yes you got to check out carl guys at adam ferrara on all my socials and please remember that life is hard you take it easy on yourself the pod has ended go in peace where are you? I'm in the sky. Yeah. I'm a plane. That's where I'm at. Yeah. You, you, can you hear this? Ah! <laughs> That's me. An inbound chicken shit. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now 
All you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.